Uh, I mean, not in a good way. <laughs> All good. Hey, you know, it's just so exciting to be alive. I mean, we've just, this is our first time of back to one service. And, you know, um, I had people ask, how long are we going to do this? You know, I, I don't tell the Lord, the Lord says we didn't do it um, for financial reasons or anything. It does take an option away from those that are, you know, been coming to first service. We actually did it because of the, you know, with what's going on in the pandemic, we wanted to create community back here and excitement. I want to challenge you, okay? Because, you know, I, I'm going to pull the switch back on first service whenever the Lord says. I don't know when that'll be. It could be two weeks, could be two months, could be six months. I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be long. That's my own personal take on this. But I want us to get excited about Jesus. I want us to get excited about proclaiming the gospel of Christ. I mean, this has been a hard week. It was a hard week for me. Um, uh, you know, um, Carmen is with Jesus. Now, he was just with us. And now he's with Jesus. And that was a hard one for me. Um, that was, you know, it's just a tough one. But I'm thankful because of Jesus that I know where he's at. And I know that we will see him again and we'll have us a concert. And he's having one now, I'm sure. But it is all good. I was, I was with uh, uh, Pastor Gary last night. And he, he, he said something in the message. And I thought that was so good. It's not part of my message, but you need to hear it. So I want to, I want to, I'm going to condense this. I'm, it's not going to, it's going to just take a second, okay? But it, it was one of those, one of those aha moments. You ever have one of those moments? I had an aha moment when I saw Kim. Aha. <laughs> you know, and that moment has never left me. She's still, I mean, it doesn't matter. If she walks in the room, I'm like, okay, man, that, that is my woman. So I'm liking that. So, okay. All right. Get my mind back on. All right. Here we go. But, you know, what he was talking about, and I thought I'd never thought about that before, and he started talking about uh, David and Goliath. And we all know that story. And, you know, David went and was sent there to see how his brothers were doing. And then his, uh, Eliab, his brother, just gave him a hard time. And, you know, if you looked at the story, he's like, what are you doing here? And blah, 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 blah. What he brought out was David had heard Goliath talk. And it angered him. Have you ever gotten angry when the devil talks? I mean, does, does, you know, the people that are being used at the end, is that ever just like, okay, maybe not angry at the people, but what is behind that? So David, he gets angry, and so he, he states, I'll go fight him, because everybody else was afraid. If you look at the account, and I have, I've seen it, I've read it a hundred times, I never thought of this, Maybe it's just me. Maybe I thought of it and I just forgot. So, okay, but I'm telling you. What happened is, is uh, the king was afraid. And so the king was afraid, and so the men were afraid, and David heard this. Now, David ends up being in charge because of what happens with Goliath. David states, I did the lion, I did the bear. Now, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into depth, but this is all kingdom-related. How did he get the lion and the bear? The same way he's about to deal with Goliath. It's the same thing. To him, David is like, they went down, you're going down. And you can look at the account. That's what David says. Why did the men later become his mighty men that weren't? David says this. He says, I'll go out and fight that unphilistine or uncircumcised Philistine. I'll go do it. And what he's saying, and now I've preached this, he's talking about covenant. And here's the part I had never, it just hit me. I was like, oh my word, I'm going to share that with my people. 
Uh, so we're all God's people. So just so that you know, I'm not trying to be. You know, just, um, this is what he said. He said, um, I have a covenant. And, and so pastor said, do you realize that every other soldier in the Israelite army had the same covenant? I'm like, well, that's true. Because it was God's people, it was Israel, right? Why then was just David, a boy, upset and he's going to do it? Why didn't any of the other warriors or army men want to do it? And here's what Pastor said, and I'm like, oh my word. He said, because the king was afraid. And because the king was afraid, whoever you follow, you will have the same spirit. And then I had that aha moment. I'm like, oh, my word. That's why it is really important to who you hang out with. Because who you follow, you imitate. Or you become like because the same spirit that rests on them will rest on you. And it can be proven in Scripture, but I mean, it was one of those moments I was like, God, if nothing else for that nugget, that's worth its weight right there. You need to look at like, okay, what am I doing? Who am I hanging with? It doesn't mean they're bad people, so please don't, you know, well, pastor said, I can't hang with you anymore. <laughs> that's not exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, who, who's your hero? Who do you want to go after? What do, you, what do you see in your life if you are hanging around people? And it's okay, but you don't have to stay if they're not having those kind of dreams that you're having. Does that make sense? Oh, my. I was just like, Lord, that was just so good. I, I, I enjoyed myself uh, last night. So God is, is so good. We've been talking about uh, the end times. Let's say hi to our online crowd. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. So good to have you with us today. And again, this service is, uh, is t you know, online. And then uh, as we get close and hopefully in the near future, we'll be able to put on our website, YouTube. It gets on YouTube anyway, but we want to do it live all simultaneously at the same time. And so we are looking to fill this place up. This is my challenge to you before I get started. I want every person in the sound of my voice and those that are online, if you don't feel comfortable in coming, I get it, and we respect that, and we love you. Um, but then get five more people to help join you with online. Have a TLC party in your home or something, okay? But I, I want to challenge you to find five people that aren't going to church. Don't take them from another church. We're not here to try to do that. But if they're not going to church or they need a church and they need the Savior, man, get them here. I mean, invite them. Do you know before the pandemic, 82%, if you had any kind of connection, that's the chance of them saying yes? Now, I don't know. They might not with the pandemic. But you know what? If they don't, it's okay because that's up to them. But invite them. Try to find this week, how many will try to find five people and say, hey, would you come to church? Great, two of you. That's awesome. <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> Let's go back to who you follow again, okay? <laughs> Just, let's go look at that. Okay, so are, are these the end times? This, uh, this one today is going to talk about judgment and mercy, but it's also going to talk about the seal 
of the living God. Now, we still have one seal left to open, and actually, we won't even get into that till next week because there's good stuff that we're getting into this week as we get ready for that. We left off last week with a couple of questions. We all know that Revelation is a deep book. It's an awesome book. There's symbols and symbolics of all kinds of things. It's, it's deep. It's, it's full of meaning. There's all wonderful things that you can dig out of this book. Amen? So it's great. We started asking, you know, stuff like this or, you know, what, what's happening to the God of, of mercy? Why so much judgment? Because we're talking now. We've already passed uh, the, some of the easy stuff. Now we're getting into, remember, the four horsemen and things are starting to happen. And so, but we're, God, what, what is this? Because we have a lot of, and you know people that don't know Jesus, that are saying, you know, well, if God's a God of love, there isn't going to be any judgment or mercy. You can't judge me. Da, da, da. We're going to get into that, but let's, let's keep looking. Bible says this, that God is the one who tells us not to judge. Doesn't, isn't that true? And so people will write on that one. You can't judge me because God says it. Even though they won't believe what God says in any other place, but they're going to believe that one. They like to pick and choose, don't you? No. So anyway... It, 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 vengeance, the Bible says, is God's. And God does instruct us to forgive. Forgiveness is a big deal. There's people that, that are watching me right now, and some are in here that are saying, you don't even know. Pastor, I've been hurt. I get it, man. Life is tough. I mean, if you even watched any of the Rocky Balboa movie, that last one, you know, is like, life, nothing can hit as hard as life. It's not how hard you can get, it's how hard you can get hit and get back. You know, I mean, so we get it. You got to get back up because life will deal you some blows. What happens to God in forgiveness? Is it important? It is important. It is important for us to forgive and show grace and all of those things that go with that. So, what is the point? If we're not allowed, why? Because it's his place to do that, to make the final judgment. Now, we have to forgive, yes, but it is his place to determine sentence. Do you understand that? Just like the judge that hits the gavel. I don't decide. People are like, well, are so-and-so in heaven? It's not my call. I was not inside their heart or inside their thought or their mind in those last moments or seconds. That's God's business. My business is to trust the Father. He makes that call. It's his place. I don't have to. You and I were not made to do that. It is not in our DNA. It will weigh you down. It will take away your joy if you think you have to be judge and jury over everything. We are not built that way. We know that God will set things right. That's who he is. He is a just judge. He will set it right according to each person and the deeds that they have done. They do not go unseen. There are things in place. Is there forgiveness? Is there blood? Yes. But he sees all of that. Justice God is a God of justice. He is just. Webster defines the definition of justice as the maintenance or administration of what is just, especially by the impartial adjustment of conflicting claims or the assignment of merited rewards or punishments meeting out justice, social justice. To me, that's a bunch of gibberish that I'm like, I don't understand the definition of the definition. 
But it's basically saying there's judgment going to be made. There's justice that's going to, this is what's going to happen. There are things that are done, and it will have to be paid. And we, we've talked about the seals, the seven seals, and we've talked about Jesus is worthy to open them and to the deed of the earth and all of those things because he has paid the price for you and I. How many knows that God is long-suffering? In other words, he puts up with a lot. Some of you wives out there say, oh, I know, praise God, I know. <laughs> Jesus, yes, you can march that down the street and I'll walk with a banner. You know, I mean, because us men, we are different than women, aren't we? We, we don't, since there's a woman over here, yes, talk about it. <laughs> we don't always think like, we don't even think, we're like, what are you upset about? We, you know, we just don't process things as well as they do. But God, he's amazing. He is long-suffering, he is kind, and he is compassionate, even to the wicked, do you know, beside Jesus, there were wicked men. And Jesus said that day, because the one had come to an aha part there for himself and said, remember me. And Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Compassionate to the end. But don't mistake kindness and compassion for weakness. God offers a lifetime of chances to repent and be forgiven. But you need to know this. You are not in charge of forever, and he, doesn't, he isn't going to wait forever. There is a time. There is a time clock. There is a God. Forever isn't in my charge. It isn't in your charge. It's in his charge. God isn't on your timetable. He created time. It's his timetable. I remember doing college at Pastor's Church. I was, I was teaching a college group there, and I, uh, one of the students kept consistently coming in late, consistently. And, and I'm not a hard taskmaster person. You guys have known me for a long time. I'm not Mr., you know, uh, but it's kind of like late every time. And then the person was like, you know, I don't know what's going on. Well, if you'd get here on time, you might know. You know, so when the person came in, I, I, this is what I said. I said, you're two minutes late. And this is what their response was. Not on my watch. Long-suffering. <laughs> my response was, we're not going by your watch. We're going by my watch. You're two minutes late. If you're late again, I will dock you a grade. And this student was like, oh, they weren't late next time. You see, we, we have to understand, we think, well, God is so loving, he'll do everything for me. And actually, he has already done everything for you. He has already made every way possible, and he will continue to do. But there is a time when Jesus is at the ready saying, can I go, Dad? Can I go? Time is subject to God. Now, we talked about this last week, so I'm going to touch it again. What about hell? Jesse Duplantis, he, he had a title of a message, and I, I just thought it was funny. He goes, what in hell do you want? 
Have to think about it for a second. He's cursing. No, he's asking a question. Is there anything in hell that's, you know, hey, I like that. We, you know, have you ever been to a funeral? People go, hey, guess what? We're, gonna, we're all going to go and we're going to party in hell. No, party in hell's canceled due to fire. <laughs> that's not how this works. We don't create that. The creator already created that. And we don't get to say how it operates. Would a loving, merciful God send you to hell? The Bible is clear that hell wasn't created for you. It was created for the devil and his demons. But it's also the place where people will get exactly what they deserve. You will not be sent to hell. You will go there by your own choosing. Simply not accepting Jesus. There is no other way. John 14, 6, the founding scripture for TLC is, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the only way. And it is exactly and precisely fair. Now, we've been talking about earth and the judgment and wrath poured out on earth. Why? God. And I, I want you to look at this. I want you to hear what I'm saying. God is giving one last chance as this is happening for people to come to him. He is one last opportunity before the sound of the bell, so to speak. I mean, this is talking about tribulation. Those that didn't go in the rapture. He is giving them one last chance. The people that are here that did not go in the rapture. That did not choose Jesus. They will witness firsthand of what hell will be a bit like. He's showing them hell on earth before they have to live in hell forever. I mean, you talk about compassion. Let's look at it a different way. Do you want this? Have you ever known someone or maybe a student or maybe your even own child and they're like, I just want to find out for myself. And you're like, no, you don't. And then they find out and you're like, do you want more of that? They say no. You see, what they find on earth, even during the tribulation, they'll be so much worse in hell. And I could go into depth and maybe later on we'll, we'll go into some depth because it is horrendously terrible. It's hard to even talk about or describe, let alone imagine. Worse than any other horror movie you've ever seen or heard about. Hopefully you haven't seen them. But Someone he said one time, there's at least two times when someone is more likely to get saved. When they're young and after a disaster. It's no secret that it's easier when people are young, when kids are young. That's why it's so important to get your children to... To, to church because they learn about God. You know that people, the Bible is true when it says when they're old they won't depart. There are people that have walked away from the Lord but because they had a foundation in Jesus Christ they came back. Because of some grandma or some mom or dad or uncle or aunt or grandpa or grandma that prayed and said you will not go this way. God will bring you back. They claimed Acts and said according to Acts it says my whole household will be saved. It's so important because the children, they're, they're so eager to learn and to find out. And they find out that there is a God. And he loves me. And he sent Jesus to die for me. There is a heaven and there is a hell. Then after a disaster, 
We all know that even as we're talking about young kids, the older you get, it's harder for people to come to Jesus. Their chances of coming to the Lord diminish the older they get because they get set in their ways. Are you set in your ways? There's some people who get set in their ways in church. Well, we've always done it this way. Well, what if we changed it when we got better results? What if we reached more people, found more people that will say yes to Jesus? But sometimes as we get older, well, this is how I just, this is, I don't like change. There are people like that. I don't, don't change. Don't change the room. Don't change the furniture. Don't change the channel. Some people eat the same thing every day, at least one meal, the same. They don't like change. They're set. It, it takes to break pride to humble yourself and say, God, show me something new. There's that old phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks because they're set in their ways. I'm here to tell you I've had older dogs, and you can teach them new tricks. Sometimes it takes a little longer, but you can teach them. It's not impossible, just harder. But let me give you an example of the other disaster. I remember pastoring in Pickerington the Sunday after 9-11 hit in September 2001. The church we were pastoring was full of new guests. Imagine. We were seeing influx all across churches across these great United States because people are like, it's a disaster. We're under attack. What is happening? People were afraid to fly. There, you know, there's terrorists and there's all these things. How many remember that? I mean, we put up a flagpole at the church and, and raised the flag. Proud to do it. Would do that again. We didn't have a flagpole. Let's put one up. Let's put you know, old glory up and let her shine. We prayed. We walked the parking lot. We had prayer vigils. Church and people were like, we just need to come back. So many people had said, I'm just coming back to God. You know why? Because they were afraid of what was happening in the world. They were afraid around them. If this changes, I'm not right. I got to get right or I'm going to get left. But it ran its course like a New Year's resolution to a gym. Very short-lived. Now let me make this very clear. God is not bringing disaster. He didn't bring 9-11. He's not bringing calamity on people. Now this is talking about tribulation. He He is doing everything to get people that love him out. If they're here, it's because they chose to be here. That's fun to swallow. God, I'm just stating that people get scared because they they think, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this God thing is right. And they start facing reality for the first time in a long time. Many make emotional decisions, and once the threat is over, they go back to what they did before. It felt good at the time. You know, in the country, we've had this, if it feels good, do it. Well, you know, then if it quits feeling good, don't do it no more. So they just kind of get back into that. And think about what we said before we even started this message. They're still hanging around the people that maybe don't go with God. And if you're hanging around people that don't go with God, and that's who you're following, sooner or later, you're going to not go with God. 
You become like who you follow. We live in a fallen world, and because of that, evil attacks. And we as believers have been given authority by Jesus to bind and to loose. And if we don't, the enemy is allowed to run free. That's how things happen in, in the kingdom. We pray them in. We believe we receive when we pray. If we don't pray, they don't happen. If we don't take hold of it, we don't put our hand to it, it doesn't happen. If we don't bind, nothing keeps the enemy at bay. If we don't lose, God is not loosed in that. Do you understand? this? People just have this concept that God just, he just, I'm just going to pick who I'm going to bless today and who I'm not. That's not how he works. He works by this. And so we have the authority to begin to say, you know what? I'm staking, I'm staking my claim. Look, like what Pastor Kim, I'm working my neck. I'm doing whatever. And you know what, devil? There ain't nothing you can do about it. You can read, can't you? Read this and show him the word of God. And begin to declare what God has said. He can't do anything about it. We work for the king. And we are citizens of the kingdom. And if you need to understand that, just like you're citizens of the United States, being a citizen, it has rights. You have rights as an American citizen. If you're in the kingdom, you have rights as a kingdom and a child of God, as an heir. The whole, it's all been given for you. But see, we don't see it. We just see what we have in front of us. A lot of us, we just live in that, oh, it's just whatever, that's, that's my world. And God is saying there's, there's so much more. Let's get back to what we were talking about. The end of the last chapter, if you remember, rulers and workers are running and hiding in the hills and the rocks. They're afraid of the lamb. Now, you need to understand, think about this. They're saying rulers and workers. There's no, everybody's on the even playing field. I mean, there's people that were, they were important at one time. Now they're not. Everybody's hiding in the same places. Didn't matter what position, they're all on the same level. Who can stand the wrath? That's the question. I mean, what is going on now? Who can stand that? The next chapter, chapter 7, answers the question. There are two groups, so that's what we're going to look at. Revelation 7, 1. I saw four angels standing in the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. So they're holding back the winds. Now you need to pick, I'm just trying to give you a picture. Some say they're hurricane force winds, but they're stopping something. They're, they're holding it back. Revelation 7, 2 and 3 says, I saw another angel coming up from the east carrying, check this out, the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, wait, don't harm the land of the sea of the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. So the seal is the focus of this chapter. Now, if you remember, as we started our study, we found out that the seal, we've talked about that, was used back in the day um, to mark property, to show authority, ownership. Remember the king seal, you know, on the scroll, the wax, and all of that. So it's uh, like uh, today, if I went into today, it would be like a logo or a trademark. Uh, so it, it identifies the brand, so to speak. And without saying, saying you know, if you're a cowboy, um, it, it's, you know, that's my cattle. That's my brand. That's what they're talking about. Revelation 7, 3, and 4, they're talking about his people. That's his seal. 
and you don't mess with the king's seal. 7, 3, and 4 says, Wait, don't harm the land or the sea of the trees until we have placed a seal on the foreheads of his servants. And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. 144,000 were sealed from all the where. Now, what's the Bible say? Tribes of Israel. Okay, so the angel's job was to go around marking the 144,000 with the seal of God. God's authority, God's property. And again, you don't mess with God's stuff. The seal would protect them from harm because they are marked as his. They are marked as his. Now, if you know what I mean, how many, we grew up, most of your kids, if you, how many are familiar with Toy Story? You know Woody. Woody, if you remember one of the Toy Stories, lost his hat. Andy's going to cowboy camp. Now, this isn't biblical. Okay. Andy's going to cowboy camp. Woody can't find his hat. And Bo Peep says, Andy, Andy. He's like, I need my hat. I need my hat. She said, Andy. Oh, excuse me, Andy. She's calling Andy. See, I don't know. She's saying Woody. (laughs) Woody, Woody. (laughs) I'll get it right. (laughs) She's calling Woody. She said, look at your boot. And Woody lifts up his boot, and Andy is on his boot. That is his seal, so to speak. That's his owner. Remember when Buzz, there were two Buzzes. <laughs> Just play with that all you want. But there were two Buzzes, and they go like, which one is the real Buzz? I'm the real Buzz. No, I'm the real Buzz. And the one Buzz lifts up his foot. There on his foot is Andy. And they go, Buzz! Why? Because the seal or the marking showed whose property he was. That's what I'm talking about. We have a seal too. Ephesians 4.30 says, We are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Let me read read the whole thing here. Uh, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. That's the New Living Translation. That's, That's pretty awesome. So if we're here when the rapture takes place, we are sealed with God's Spirit. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And because of that, we are God's. Come on. We are, we, our spirit is connected. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You are God's property. The devil then can't lay claim to you. You need to understand because if you're not, your name's not in the book And there's only two places. Let's get back to our story. The sealing of the 144,000, the marking of God, his property, they belong to him. So who are these 144,000? There's a cult group out there that says that they claim to be, they're they're the 144,000. They could come knocking on your door. They usually come in a couple. In a pair. But that doesn't make sense because, let alone the fact it doesn't line up with the Word of God. Do you know that everything needs to line up with the Word of God? In verses 5 and 8 of that, it tells who they are and where they're from, each from the tribe of Israel. Each tribe has 12,000, all are Israelites, true blood Jews, 144. 12 times 12,000. So that's where they get the number. So the tribulation, if you remember, is the 70th 70th week of Daniel. 
God says he's specifically using Jewish people. The tribulation is also called the time of Jacob's trouble, and that's Israel. So, again, God is just doing what God does, and he's trying to show you. So the church is raptured, and God will use Israel once again to share the gospel of Jesus. Zechariah prophesied that the Jews will look upon the one that they had pierced, in the Jewish Bible, it states that many will come to Jesus in the last day, and God's plan was to choose one people to reach all people. So these 144,000 powerhouse evangelists are sent out to witness and bring the last in before the end. So the scripture doesn't say exclusively, but it implies, and that's kind of my take on it, that they're, they're, this is the last ditch effort to get as many people into the kingdom as they can, because things are about to go down for the final time. So God is out, again, compassionate, long-suffering. Revelation 7, 9 through 14, after this I saw, now listen to how this is, a vast crowd, too great to count. And the reason I'm telling you what I'm telling you, because they were able to count the 144,000. Now it is too vast to count. So these people, these powerhouse people have brought others in. Okay, too vast to count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne, remember the king's chair, and before the lamb, there's Jesus, they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. Isn't it amazing, palm branches? What did they hold in their hands when Jesus came down in Jerusalem? Palm branches. Come on, somebody. Man. And uh, they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes for our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. Remember those four living beings. This is just amazing. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. And they sang, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength to be our God forever and ever. Amen. We sing songs like that here, don't we? All blessing and glory and honor and power. You are singing. You are prophesying and singing what we'll be singing in heaven. Then... One of the 24 elders asked me, who are these who are clothed in white? And where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. That's amazing. They bring hope to the world that will listen. They call them the tribulation saints. There are Christians that were saved during the tribulation. Unfortunately, most of them, you know, I don't know how, when this whole thing wraps up by that time, most of them will be martyred, if not all. I, you know, because that's why the rapture is so important that we make it. But God's plans always work. Say amen to that. He sends 144,000 to the four corners of the world, and John sees them, and there are too many to count. It's so massive, but God doesn't want any to perish. And this is what the end times are all about. Instead of just everybody's like, oh, but he's like saying, you need to get to me. You need to get to me. No matter how bad it looks, you need to get to If the rapture happens while I'm talking and you're here, get to Jesus. You need to get to Jesus. That is the only safe place. 
Because we will see this played out. There will be hiding in rocks. There will be hiding in mountains. Because everything will be happening. You don't want to lose everything to bullheadedness. We have to see the big picture. And there's so many people now. I'm not saying they're not believers, but they fight over... Well, it's not, gr- it's not grape juice. It was wine. Okay. It was wine. If that's Okay. Uh, should we baptize it? We should dunk them and not spritz them. We shouldn't dabble or sprinkle on them. They should be dunked. And if you're not baptized, there are some people, if you're not baptized, you can't be saved. That's not true. The guy on the cross beside Jesus, they didn't pull him down, dunk him, and stick him back up. And he was going that day. We're part of the 144,000. Whatever. According to the word, I'm not here to... Again, we can argue till the cows come home, so to speak. What good will it do? You just stick to the word. You just snap the plumb line of the word and that's where you stand. Do you understand? Now think about what we started this out. If I'm just telling you about, you become what you follow. Let's follow Jesus. Let's imitate him. Because he said what you see me do, you can do. And greater things than what I even did. And we don't believe it. Pastor, do you mean when you pray for somebody, you believe, you actually believe they'll be healed? I believe they already are healed. I can't wait to pray for them. Because that's how it is. My kids, my wife, honey, pray for me. Daddy, pray for me. Why? Because when I pray for them, God does what God does. It's not me. I'm just the cable. And God says, clear. And then they go, well, they don't actually go like that. But you know, that charge goes that way. Salvation is home base. That's the key. Jesus' blood washing away sin, making atonement. Now, tribulation saints are in heaven. Now, I will tell you this. Some people are like, well, okay, so they're in heaven. Yes, and we should be happy about that. I do, I want to to say this. I don't know that they'll have the same place of those that have served God faithfully here on earth because according to Scripture, and we're not going into that right now, There are what you do on this lifetime, you're going to be doing some great things in heaven because God's going to put you in charge of stuff. But if you wouldn't accept Jesus, you know, and you just kind of slid down the door, we thank God that you're there and you're going to enjoy the presence of God and you're going to be in eternity in heaven. But you might not have as much to do as the person that walked it out. But no matter what, isn't it good to be saved? Man, I'm telling you, wouldn't, I'm going to sit on Carmen's porch and drink lemonade. I am. You, when we're in heaven, you watch. When he was here, he had Perrier water. I was in a store the other day, and I was like, I'm going to get me some Perrier water. I don't even know what Perrier water is. But I think it's just fizzy water, right? But they had some that looked like it was flavored. I'm like, shut up. I might get me some of that. Because when I get up, this, I'm going to say, Jesus, I, this is great. Let's go talk to Carmen, too. Let's take our waters. <laughs> Heaven's going to be awesome. And it's going to be, you're going to be so glad you made the decision here. 
Everybody up there shouting praises to the king. Even It doesn't matter when you found him, at least you found him. I mean, that's what we're going to be glad for. We're not going to be up in heaven. Net, that's not our job. Think about how we started. God's the just God. I don't have to worry about how much, well, he gets, a, how come he's doing, and I didn't get a, but I'm telling you what, I've been up here a long time, and then, you know, you're not going to have any of that. You're going to be so happy to be in heaven with Jesus. None of that will matter. You will be all completely happy. You know what it's like to be completely happy? I don't know that any of us know what it's like to be completely happy. Because we're human. When we get in heaven, we're going to have glorified bodies. It's going to be an awesome thing. And it's going to be an amazing, amazing time for eternity to glorify the king. We'll be completely happy. There's not going to be any bickering, gossip. There's not going to be any of that. It's just going to be amazing. Never again... Those tribulation saints, will they hunger? Never again will they thirst, nor scorching sun or heat. So, Brett, why are you saying these things about those hardships? Now, I want you to listen to me. Because before, they were trying to survive. If you remember, the saints of God were raptured out. So now, they are living through the tribulation. And about three and a half years into that, you can't buy or sell. You can't get food unless you have a mark. You get the mark, you can't be completely happy. Because you ain't going. So now that's why they're hiding and they're on the run because they're trying to just say, okay, I've found him now. You see, the lamb will be their shepherd. He'll lead them to springs of living water. The Bible says that God will wipe away every tear. Every tear. From their eyes. There's things that have happened in all our lives that we're like, I don't understand why, and we'll try to blame God or we'll do this or whatever. You know, Kim and I were married, and our firstborn was a stillborn. It is no fun to buy a casket for your first child. You don't have a, not that you'd want a big selection, but there were only two to choose from. And I can tell you this. One of the first times in my life I ever saw my dad flat out ball was that day. But one of the first people I will see will be my son. And I will see his mother smile. And I will see tears wiped from her eyes. You ask me, why are you so passionate? Why is she so passionate? My friends, we're invested. Everything of who I am, everything of who I'll be, is believed in this book. Am I perfect? No. Have I screwed up? Oh, yeah. Have I been entertainment for heaven? Absolutely. But there is nobody like my Jesus. There is nobody I want to see more. Next week, we get to see that seventh seal. We get to see that open. See what happens.
But I want to challenge you this morning. You're saying, Brett, well, why are you asking us to invite people? Because we don't know. I mean, we are studying Revelation. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. He doesn't know. The Father will send him at the right time. But do you want to, to say, you know what? Well, there's a lot of people I could have asked, and I just didn't. If they say no, then they say no. But it, now, please forgive me for those that are online and those who are here. It's on them. Just ask God how you should ask. And then let the Lord do it. You know, one thing about following someone. When we started this church and the Lord had impressed on me to start a church, gave me the name, gave me the scripture. I'd never started a church before. And we had offers from other, another pastor, very well known, you know, bring that under this organization. And then I had made friends with Pastor Gary. And the reason that we picked, and I say we because I didn't make this decision alone, that we picked Pastor Gary. Now, I, I'm just doing this because I'm talking about following because of his humility. He was very humble, and he was saying, don't do this, because I did that, didn't work. Don't do, you know, it was very humble. He was very transparent. And here's the other thing. He had fruit. I couldn't explain it. I didn't know how it worked. But something inside me was like, I, I want that. I mean, I was saved. I was going to heaven. Kim and I want for you what God has for you. For you to be the best you can be. To win as many people to Jesus as you can. By being the great people that I know you are. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?